When I got to the counter to order my ice cream, I was told that it had already been paid for. I laughed and began to dig for my wallet. No, really, it's been taken care of, but if you'd like to pay for the next person, we can keep this going. A couple hours earlier, someone had paid for the person behind them, and it had been paid forward all the way to me. You should have seen my face. I mean, I love ice cream, but this was next-level happiness. Even though I ended up spending the same amount as if I'd bought my own, it didn't matter. There's something that feels so special and so good about someone being kind for no reason. It's not like it's never happened before. A lovely gentleman once bought extra cookies at a bakery and gave them to my daughters for being, quote-unquote, so nice to mom. Someone offered to pump my gas at a self-serve because they were more appropriately dressed for the weather than I was. And one time, someone ran to stop me from purchasing a parking pass because they were leaving and theirs hadn't expired yet. It was a very sweet gesture that I started doing because of them. Being able to recount these examples so clearly is a bit of a testament to the fact that we always remember the kind things people do for us. And by the way, kindness is definitely not just for the receiver. I'd argue that it's equally as beneficial to be the one handing out the kindness. I'm Jenny B, and this is It Actually. This is It Actually. Take a sip and grab a seat, cause this is it. When I was a kid, my dad used to load up his truck with food from our store and take it out to the local apple orchards for the men and women who had come to our town for the job of picking apples. I would sit alongside in the wide bench seat of his classic Ford truck as he drove like a maniac through the trees, the windshield being pelted by Cortland's, Macs, and Spies. When we'd arrive, he'd crank up the stereo playing Elvis and Stevie Wonder 8-tracks, and the music would filter out from under the cap of the truck that he'd built specifically for this side gig. We'd get out of the truck, and people would descend from the ladders high up in the trees, and they'd always be so happy to see my dad. If the mood struck, there would sometimes be an impromptu dance to the music, and I was mostly too shy, but I loved to listen in. Dad would laugh his giant laugh, and there were lots of inside adult jokes, and I'd perk up when some of the guys would start teaching my dad Jamaican slang, and I'd just lean back and watch it all go down. One time, Dad invited about eight of the men to come home to our place for Thanksgiving dinner. That weekend, my mom was furious, not because of the company, because of the short notice, and of course, there wasn't nearly enough food to go around. But guess what? It didn't matter. It was so much bigger than the food. It was letting these guys know that even though they were away from home and virtual strangers, they were, in fact, friends. I don't know how or why he started his annual treks to the orchards, but he absolutely loved doing it. About seven or eight years ago, Mum received a letter addressed to Mr. Ed Meaford. Nothing else. Dad had been dead for over 20 years, but the post office knew exactly who it was for. They held it behind the counter waiting for my mom to come in one day. It was a note from one of the men. He wanted to thank Dad for everything he'd done for all the people who left their families to come to our sleepy little town to pick apples for three months a year. He had moved to the States, Dallas, I think, and he never forgot Dad, and he hoped Dad was well. You can imagine our faces. It was such a gift. For all those Saturdays when we had to watch the store so Dad could go to the orchards or help him load up the truck that just seemed like extra work, it was nothing. That letter was everything. Though I will admit, Mom never really forgave him for the last-minute Thanksgiving dinner invite. One summer, the girls and I spent an afternoon wandering the downtown streets of our beloved city. We covered a lot of ground. We went Ossington to Queen, over to Trinity Bellwoods, up to Dundas Square, back to Graffiti Alley, across to a flower market, and on to the best burger joint in town. 
At the end of the day, when we collapsed on the couch, I asked them to tell me what their favorite part was. My oldest daughter said to me, when you helped that old lady who slipped and fell, and then when you carried that woman's basket up the stairs at the subway. My littlest daughter concurred, yeah, I like that part too. Well, come on, I thought my heart was going to bust out of my chest. A jam-packed day full of activities, and that's what they remembered? Of course, it didn't mean a thing to me at the time, but I suppose it was everything to them. Right after mom died, I got an email from a stranger. He was halfway around the world, but he had been following me on Instagram for a while. He saw my post about mom dying and decided to send me a message. He wanted me to know that he understood my pain. He also knew grief, and he let me know that it was normal to feel different, that I would never be the person that I was, but that eventually, things would be okay. I was a complete crumpled mess when I got his letter, and truthfully, a lot of the words seemed totally blurry, but those parts that I remember really stood out. And it wasn't anything that hadn't already been said to me, but the fact that he took the time to connect and let me know that he had once been where I was, and with a little time and patience, he was mostly alright, well, it made me feel a little less alone. In fact, I got dressed that day because of him. The world feels a bit heavy these days. I'm very aware and extra sensitive to aggressive drivers and horn honkers. Why so many honkers? People cutting into lanes and the short and defensive way strangers are talking to one another. Some days it feels like the root of who we really are has disappeared. But did you know that we are actually hardwired to be kind? We were literally born that way. Here's a little science for you. Being kind, altruism, actually releases endorphins, which is known as a helper's high. Like, it's a thing. I sometimes feel a little selfish doing a nice thing because I walk away all, I'm so great, I feel so good about myself, and then I'm like, who am I really doing this for? Well, that's what a helper's high is. It's those warm and fuzzy feelings we all love so much. Serotonin and oxytocin, all the good stuff. Also, being kind actually takes away anxiety and stress, which totally makes sense because when you're doing something nice for someone else, you're probably not really worrying about yourself, right? Like, think about that. When you have your focus on making someone else happy, you can't be all woe is me and Debbie Downer at the same time. It improves your mood and your blood pressure goes down. Like, come on, kindness is actually good for our hearts. Okay, that's about as sciencey as I get. You're welcome. Earlier this year, I saw a post on social about a man who had been thrown in jail back in the 80s for a $9 petty theft. He was given life in prison. A lawyer was advocating for his release, but as they worked through the papers, she encouraged people to send him a letter, to let him know that his conviction is totally unjust, and more importantly, that he's being thought of. He is not alone. The girls and I decided to make some cards, and we sent them off to Willie Simmons. Afterwards, we talked about how easy it was for us to write some words on some construction paper, and who knows what Willie Simmons thought when he got our letters from Canada, but what kind of time does it take from your day to make someone else feel like they matter? When my mom's bike was stolen from my daughter last year, it was a dark and ugly day. I know now that it's just a thing, it's not her, but at the time, I was so unbelievably sad. Then everyone rallied and sent out messages and tweets and Facebook posts and, well, the bike came back, so that alone is mind-boggling. But I was so struck by how people gave a shit and took the time. Sure, it's not a giant inconvenience to write a post or ask around, but it's also just slightly easier to not do those things. See? Small things make big impacts. So yeah, on that tip, little things. We might not think they're worth anything, but who doesn't love unexpected mail, a favor that you didn't have to ask for, a surprise lunch, some flowers delivered, an extra big tip for someone who deserves it? 
Oh, and by the way, when I was dating, that was a non-negotiable. Bad tippers need not apply. The other thing that strikes me as a giant kindness is surprise parties. I actually hate surprises, but it's kind of funny what happens to you when you walk into a room and see all your best people standing there smiling like goofballs. Someone went to a lot of trouble to make the event happen, and all these people showed up just so you could feel nice. My sister threw me a surprise party for my 30th birthday. It was the hottest summer and I had no AC, so I showed up at her place one day and kind of didn't leave for like four nights. She was dying inside because she was trying to plan this giant party for me and organize and arrange and construct Bristol boards with my photos on them and accept early presents and store all the food and I'm just in the corner cooling off in the forest air breeze. I had no idea, but when I came around the corner a few days later to find a tent and patio lanterns and all of my friends and family cheersing me with a drink, the whole week came flooding back to me and, well, wow, going out of your way to make someone feel special is pretty darn special. I think the trickiest part of being kind is trying to find kindness for the blockheads. It's not easy to muster up niceness for jerky people, but guess what? They usually need it the most. And that's not to say that you have to be the one to give it, fill your bucket, but knowing that when someone lashes out or takes something out on you, it's likely that they are having a bad day, a bad week, a bad life, and it probably doesn't have anything to do with you. And maybe knowing that makes it a little easier to drum up some good vibes. And think about complimenting or just showing interest in a stranger. Don't you notice when you ask the door-knocking solicitor or the phone company call person how they are, it almost always throws them off? They're all like, oh, me? Geez, I'm good. Thanks for asking. It's so simple, right? So why don't we do it more often? The next time you come across someone who seems grumpy or flustered or out of sorts, ask them how they are. See what happens. So I seem to be talking about my backpacking trip through Europe a lot lately, but it was a really transformative time as travel tends to be. I met a lot of really amazing people and a lot of really kind people on those travels. Giant maps unfolded in front of my face and strangers stopping to ask where I was going. Running for trains and people holding the doors so I could jump on. The guy that showed me how to use the payphone in Prague so I could call home. But one person in particular really stands out. I was nearing the end of an almost three-month backpacking trip and our last stop was to London, England. My friend and I had arrived into the city pretty much completely broke. We had kept just enough money for a few nights in a hostel and a little bit of food. I don't really know what our plan was beyond that, but we were young and having the time of our lives, and I knew exactly how to make packed up buffet food stretch out over the course of three days. We landed in the coolest part of the city. We found a divey hostel for 15 bucks a night, and we'd spend our days on the patio out front and wandering the city. Our hostel was full of like-minded people, and the girl that ran the front desk was the epitome of cool. Her name was Mickey. She had short, dark brown hair. She wore cool pins and oversized jeans with teeny tiny t-shirts. She was a little bit androgynous and she wore lots of stacked rings and bracelets and she was effortlessly funny and both males and females super crushed on her as soon as she started talking. She was that girl. And that was the thing. She talked to everyone and got just enough of their story to be able to figure them out and she was one of those people who when she listened made you feel like you were the only person in the room. On our second last day, we officially ran out of money for both food and accommodations, so we decided to forfeit a night in a bed and stocked up on chips and chocolate bars and got one cheese sandwich to split and headed to the airport to sleep. We checked out of the hostel and said our goodbyes. 
Mickey handed me an envelope and said, here's your receipt, which was weird because it was already folded up and licked closed, plus receipts weren't really the Norman hostels, but I was tired and hungry and didn't think much of it. When I got to the airport and got settled, I decided to open it. Inside was a really sweet card, and inside the card was 10 pounds. We got another cheese sandwich, some trail mix, and a small bottle of cheap red wine. I almost called my first daughter Mickey in honor of that kind stranger all those years ago. When Lola was older and asked me about other possible names that were on my list for her, I told her that story. She said, wow, I can't believe you still remember her. But that's the thing about unexpected acts of kindness. They're unforgettable. When you say simple or extraordinary kindness, I actually think simple can be extraordinary. And what comes to mind is a time in my life where I was pretty low, not feeling great. I would later find out that was actually a form of clinical depression and would get that sorted. But at the time, I was lost. And I have a really good friend, Katie, who could see that. And when I wanted to stay home and I wanted to stay under a rock, she encouraged me to come to her place. It was going to be my birthday and I was not interested. And she knew that I needed to still celebrate myself. And she had me come over. She threw a party. It was a big house party. And she maybe wouldn't call it a birthday party for me, but I knew she threw it and made sure I came and it was a celebration. Together, we danced late into the night and it was exactly what I needed. And sometimes those simple things that your friends can see that you need, but you can't see for yourself and they give it to you can be some of the most meaningful gifts. Finding small ways to make sure people who might need the help or might need some kindness get it even when they don't ask or even when they do ask. I mean, I have a friend who was injured, was a Muay Thai instructor and and injured her neck and her friends rallied around her and created a menu online and could anybody cook a meal and sign up and schedule and, and deliver it to the house. She has two small girls and a husband, a very active life. So the opportunity presented itself to me to provide some help and I hope a little kindness. So I cooked two separate meals, delivered them out via transit and brought the little girls some small, it was around Christmas, some small sticker books so that they don't feel forgotten in in all of the chaos at the house. So delivering meals made her smile, the girls smiled, I smiled, kindness around, happiness abounds. I actually think I may have gotten more out of delivering that kindness to them than they got. So there's always good reason to be kind. My girlfriends and I had planned a trip to Czech Republic about 20 years ago. They lived in Ottawa at the time, so we decided to meet in Prague. Less than a week before my departure, my papa died. He was in his early 90s, so while it didn't come as a total shock, it shook me up. I mean, of course it did. He was my papa and my last living grandparent. As we started making arrangements, I began to think I shouldn't go on the trip, but my dad said my papa wouldn't want that. So we had the funeral and I headed to the airport. Now I've traveled all over the world, but I'm also the world's worst flyer. I hate it. I'm anxious until the wheels hit the tarmac at my destination. I can summon the courage to get myself on planes because my love of travel is stronger than my fear of flying, but my resolve was not at its strongest that day. I am alone, freshly from a funeral, checking into a transatlantic flight with nobody to hold my sweaty, sweaty hand. 
Most nervous flyers tend to have things that make them feel safer. Good weather, trustworthy looking pilot, big plane, little plane, lots of babies. One of my things is that I like to be at the front of the plane because you don't feel the turbulence as much. When I go to check in, I see that I'm in the second last row, middle seat. I'm trying to be brave, but my eyes well up with tears as I ask the man checking me in if there are any seats closer to the front. His response? Nope, sorry, the plane is full. I grab my boarding pass and head to the departure lounge, where I promptly call my mom on a payphone and start having a meltdown right in the middle of good old YYZ. Then I hear my name over the PA paging me to the gate, and I'm thinking, honestly, what now? I head over, and the same man that checked me in asked to see my boarding pass. He tore it up and said it wasn't valid for the flight. Cue more tears. Then he passed me a new boarding pass for a business class. This angel of a man had seen a visibly distressed girl who certainly did not have the money for business class, and he upgraded me. I can't tell you how much that changed my experience. I stretched out. I had a glass of wine. I slept. It was the very first flight that I've actually enjoyed in my life. I'm still partial to British Airways to this day because of that random act of kindness from a total stranger. My friend David, I used to work at a restaurant in London, Ontario. One of the staff members would come in on Christmas Day, prep dozens of dinners for people stuck at the hospital across the street. He would prep, cook, and deliver them by himself. Sometimes one or two other staff would come in to help. There was no fanfare involved. Almost no one except the owner of the restaurant knew he did this every year until after David passed away far too young. He didn't do it for praise or for accolades. David did this because it was the right thing to do. He did it to do it. So random acts of kindness. I think that I prefer to call them acts of kindness. I think adding the word random makes it seem like there's no intention behind it. And I think that they always have intention and it's always pretty transformative. Little things that happen all the time to I think many of us that are wonderful and day changing like when you wake up after a snowstorm and your sidewalks already shoveled taking food to people who have new babies or who are ill I've had two experiences that really stick out for me one I was down in Argentina with almost one year old and a three-year-old we had our stroller and we were going to take the subway and We couldn't figure out how to get the stroller and the baby was sleeping. This group of strangers who did not know each other, they all just figured out how to open this special gate. This woman was wearing like five inch stilettos, like hot pink stilettos, and she just carried the stroller with me down these flights and flights of stairs. Without big production, she was just like, oh, you need help. Here I am. I have no idea how she even did those stairs alone, let alone carrying a stroller with a sleeping baby. And another one was from when my now five and a half year old was very, very small. I was on the subway for the first time with him. He was really small. I was very stressed about getting on the subway and, you know, going across the city. And he started screaming. He was just inconsolable. And this woman who was sitting across from us just started making faces at him. And then eventually she just started singing. She was singing uh, Farmer Brown. He had a dog and Bingo was his name. And she and the entire subway train, like all the people sort of around us, just started singing to him. And I want to cry just thinking about it. I felt so alone with the screaming baby. And all of these people just really rallied to make him and me feel a lot better. 
So there was something so transformative about that collective act of kindness, especially for a new mom who's feeling really out of her depth. And then my love lettering project, I get people to write love letters to their communities, to their neighborhoods, and hide them for strangers to find. The act of kindness is in writing the letter. The act of kindness is in hiding the letter. And then the person who receives it gets to receive this moment that can, I mean, who knows? Maybe some people read these letters and are like, ugh, grumble, grumble. I hate this. Or maybe it's really transformative for them. I I really can't say. I think that that's what I love about the project that I do, that I don't, I don't know what happens. And I love that part of it. So sing a little song to a screaming baby next time you're stuck on the subway with them. Last summer, I was fascinated to learn that a longtime patient of mine had handcrafted a canoe some 30 years ago. He told me that it was the first and only canoe he had ever built. In learning about his canoe building adventure, I realized how there are so many parts of our patients we don't get to know, how there is so much more to their lives than what ails them, their current treatments, and what they do or did for a living. I can remember thinking, how on earth are you just sharing this now? It was just so darn fascinating. What an experience. What an achievement. A few weeks later, that sweet, sweet man told me he wanted me to have his handcrafted canoe. I was so honored, but told him I couldn't possibly accept such a gift. That patients don't gift nurses boats. Then he said, I'll sell it to you for a dollar. When he left the unit that day, He told me we weren't done chatting about the canoe. Just days later, he passed. I've thought about him a lot since, about him, his wife, and our chats. His wife reached out to me recently. She had been there the day her husband insisted on me having his boat. So, last week, I picked up the most beautiful canoe I'd ever seen. Far more beautiful than he described. I mean, it's actually the most beautiful boat I've ever seen. My heart was bursting. It still is. I'm beyond grateful. So honored to be the person that gets to share this cherished boat with who will ever let me. Sunny day paddles, floating picnics, and summer sunsets. And that's how I plan to pay it forward. To paddle with friends and family, and maybe even strangers, and to tell the story. To share how wonderful it can be to get to know parts of people that go well beyond the surface. This is a tip, actually. Okay, so we know that one small kind gesture can change a stranger's whole day, week, or maybe even their life. I read a story last year about a woman who gave a homeless man a cell phone. He was able to use it when he sat outside establishments that offered free Wi-Fi. He signed up to Twitter, and he started to tell his story. People saw it, and they started following along. He was able to educate people on homelessness, and he ended up getting an interview for a job, which led to someone helping him find an apartment all because someone gave him a phone they no longer needed. It really doesn't cost a thing to be nice. Don't be shy to tell people about how great and amazing and kind you are. I think it has a positive effect on everyone who knows. Reading those stories on Twitter boosted me up, and it also probably increased the chance of all of us who were reading to do something similar. Because the truth is, we can never know the extent, the domino effect, of where that kindness will stretch to. It's actually contagious. Oh, and one more thing. The next time you're thanked for doing something nice, instead of saying you're welcome, well, you can still say you're welcome, but also say pay it forward. It always takes the other person a second to compute what you mean, but the way I see it, it takes zero effort to start a chain of goodwill and your head and your heart will be so much better off for it. I have a lot of really kind people in my life. I'm lucky to be surrounded by examples of goodness. 
Thank you to my dear friends, Heather, Michelle, Jana, Lindsay, and Tom for your lovely stories. If you have an idea for an episode or know someone who would be a great guest, let me know. You can send your stories and ideas and just general good words to thisisitactually at gmail.com. And you can also see stuff and follow along on Instagram at thisisitactually. Message me cool stuff, but not dumb or rude stuff, because obviously. Thanks for listening. Now go say something nice to someone. This is it, actually. Take a sip and grab a seat, because this is it.